Rolling. Renegades. Andre and I had this big idea. Nurses know how to solve shit. Renegades. <laughs> Welcome to the Renegade Podcast, a revolutionary approach to continuing education for nurses by nurses who are shining a light on the innovators, the creatives, the renegades who are blowing up the boxes that the rest of the world is still trying to think outside of. On today's podcast, we have Amanda Adams. Now, she's going to do her official introduction, but Antra sent me over some videos that she did spontaneously because she didn't want to come off the way she thought she'd come off by just writing something. So she was at work in her scrubs, hit record, and sent over the most spontaneous, upbeat about a dark topic, made me want to know more, definitely made me want to meet her. And what she was talking about was like, so has been for me, so in my face lately. So I'm really excited to hear what she has to say. And I'm going to keep it a secret until we start talking. But Amanda, tell us a little bit about who are you? Where are you from? What do you do? And how did you get here? My name is Amanda. I'm a nurse in the operating room. And I met Antra by working out at Meridian Park. So, you know, I've always been following her. Not She'll come across my Facebook feed. And I have seen what you guys have um, been doing lately. But anyway, yeah, I work in the OR. And I travel to all of the legacy facilities. In Portland, Oregon. Yeah, in Portland, yeah. Oregon. I've been a nurse for like 16 years and yeah, what else should I say? Here? Wait, okay. well, that's, that's what you say, whatever you want. Yeah. You asked, how did I get here? I suppose. Uh, well, you've been a nurse for 16 years and you know, Antra and you got here because you sent those videos. So yeah. just give us a brief narrative summary of why you're passionate about what you sent the videos about. And oh, by the way, I didn't say. When Antra said, send over those videos, usually we do like a, like a little chat, you know, when we're meeting somebody first to see if they'd be a good fit for the podcast or, you know, whatever. And I'm like, no need, <laughs> no need for any chat. Let's get her on. I know. Yeah. So, so what, what is the, what gave you the passion behind what you sent the videos about? Well, I, I used to drink a lot of wine and whatever I could get my hands on. And about five years ago, I quit drinking. And as I did that, I just kind of came into this world that I don't think a lot of people see, where I just kind of notice the way that women are being preyed upon by the alcohol industry and how they're kind of targeting us when we're at our weakest place and it works and alcohol has become super mainstream. And like, I think even sometimes we think we need it to function or we're at least sold the idea that we need it to function and that it's no big deal and that it's healthy. And when you see it from the other side, it's just not. And I don't want to come here and tell people to stop drinking alcohol I just want to help people see that it's not healthy and that you're being taken advantage of as they try to convince you that you need it 
to function. That's exactly what I loved about the direction you were speaking from, from the play. It, it wasn't preachy. It wasn't like, I'm not trying to change. It's like, I want to sh- like highlight what's being done to you, you know? And it, I wasn't even aware of a lot of things you said in like three minutes worth of video or however long it was. And I, I'm really fascinated to hear what woke you up to it. Yeah. Well, I, you know, nothing terrible ever happened to me. I never got a DUI. I never even called in sick to work. I just kind of evolved from, I worked in the food service industry in my twenties. And of course we would go out and party every night. And then as my life moved on, I like moved into these different stages of alcohol use where instead of going out to the bars, you would stay home and drink wine. And then once I had kids, that was like the reward. And yep, been there. Uh, and, and I'll say later about that, just how much is heaped onto women and why we feel like we need a reward. But so I would, I would drink a lot. And then every once in a while we'd go out and I'd drink a ton and I'd have an experience where I just felt really embarrassed. But honestly, I tried so many things to lose weight and I couldn't lose weight. And I would start a diet like the keto diet and I would be Googling how much alcohol can you drink on the keto diet or how many calories are in wine? How much can I have? And I just could never lose weight. And I, I, I hate it that that's what, that's the straw that broke the camel's back, but it is. And I finally was like, you know what? I'm never going to lose any weight if I'm still drinking. I, I'm drinking a thousand calories worth of wine a night. So <laughs> And that's just not going to work. So maybe I'll just quit. And maybe that is something I could do. And in the past, I'd always thought that's the worst. I would never do that. I don't want to give it up. I love it. It's part of my identity. It's what I do with my friends. You know, it's what I do to relax, what I do to celebrate. And I finally, it came through my head where I was like, you know what? Maybe I could live without it. And maybe it would be good for my baby daughter if I quit. So I tried to quit and I couldn't, I just would get to the end of the day and I would be like, oh, I just need a glass of wine. That's just my reward. So, and, and I would continue to have those odd weekends where I would drink a lot and do something stupid, you know, just be a loud mouth. It was never anything terrible. And of course my friends would always say, oh, you were fine, but I would just feel like such an idiot for a couple of days a wind down Wednesday hangover (laughs) exactly so I found this online program that I used at the time called hip sobriety that's run by this lady named uh, Holly Whitaker and she doesn't run it anymore but I joined that program and it didn't work for me at first but it kind of started opening me up to my attitude about wine and how I felt like I needed it and how I felt like it was okay to do in moderation. And I kind of had a twisted idea about what moderation was. And I kind of didn't really know what heavy drinking was considered, you know, like when they say it's, um, you know, heavy drinkers, I would think, well, I'm not a heavy drinker, but really they do consider heavy drinking more than a one glass of wine a day for women. And and anyway, this gal just kind of pointed out how just like cigarettes used to be, 
geared toward women. Um, you know, it's healthy. You deserve it to relax. It'll make you skinny. That's kind of what's happening with wine right now and alcohol in general. Everywhere you look, you see the female characters that are cool. They have a giant glass of wine. Or you go to the back to school supplies sale at Fred Meyer and there's the wine. And they're like, it's a back to school supply, you know, because you have to deal with these kids. Oh my gosh, that's a great example. Right. Um, I mean, and it's, I mean, they even sell, you, know, you can get a personalized wine label to stick on a bottle of wine to give to your child's teacher that says, I know my kid is the reason you drink. So here's a bottle of wine. And I just started noticing that stuff. Was um, this before you quit? Like you started noticing this stuff? Yeah. So then I started to feel like I would be so proud of myself if I quit and that it would be a good thing. And so, I mean, eventually I was able to do it. Nothing magical happened. And I just, I do want to say that on your podcast for anyone who's really struggling. And I don't think this podcast is for people who are struggling. I mean, it can be for them too, but it's for everybody. Nothing magical happened. And I was waiting for something magical to happen that would just move me enough to just want to quit. And it never did happen. I just kind of had to put my head down and stop. You know what was surprising to me because I when I when my kids were small I drank wine every night and it and for me it was I got to smooth out the edges like a glass of wine two glasses of wine is totally going to smooth it out and I'm going to feel better. And then, you know, cancer and all this other stuff, but I stopped drinking really like almost completely, you know, one here or there, maybe once a month, but really just and I was surprised that I could actually go without it. That was what was kind of magical. It was like, oh, I don't need to smooth out the edges. Who knew? <laughs> like, it was sort of surprising to me. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, there's definitely edges to smooth out. And I, none of us should fault anybody for feeling that way. No, no. So it was surprising. Yeah. It was just surprising because right. I thought I needed it to yeah. make things easier. Right. So, right. And it's really, it's not that it's not that big of a tool. It's not that powerful. <clears throat> it gives you like 20 minutes of a high that then you chase with your next glass. I mean, really honestly, the brain chemicals that happen last for about 20 minutes, you know, and then you need, you just get tired and you need to have another glass. And I know it does work for people. And I know there's people who do have a glass of wine and, and that's it. And they, they pour four ounces or five ounces but what happened after you, after you quit? Like what, nothing magical happened, but did, what did you notice differently oh, about yourself? Oh my gosh. I would, well, I never used to be able to work out in the morning and I didn't think I could do that. And now I love it. I just kind of learned how to um, put up my boundaries and uphold my standards and think about things before I answered or give myself some time to make a decision. And I just felt more authentic. You know, I just had realer conversations and. Oh, yeah. Karen, you know where this conversation is going, don't <laughs> you? Like, it's just so, it's such a like demonstration of, you know, finding yourself, yeah. knowing yourself. Yeah. Well, anything that takes you away from yourself, you know, whether it's podcasts, 
I mean, like I'll fill in the empty space with education and tell myself, you know, but you can get addicted to anything if you're, you know, you're not sitting in your own space with yourself and alcohol is like a big one. And then you said it, it smooths, you know, that's the message we get. It might smooth out the edges, but it makes other edges a lot rougher. Right. Right. Like what you were saying. Maybe it smoothed out the edges, but what about the edges when you woke up in the morning and the regrets yeah. you had about what you did or said because your inhibitions were lowered and, right. you know? And even just the one glass, um, you you have this calm down effect, but then the, the refractory effect is increased anxiety. And you see so many women these days also because we have a lot to do, who suffer from anxiety. And I mean, for me, taking away the alcohol made a huge dent in that. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Your videos, you kind of alluded to sort of the research about, you know, women with children in their 30s and 40s. And can you talk more about that? Because I imagine that anxiety is pretty rampant in that age group anyways it was for me right right and so it sounds like you've done kind of some digging around this subject yeah in addition to your own experience get into what antra said because i want to know you know what you've discovered but i want to like evolve into the answer to what antra asked by what did you notice at first? Because my sense is that you quit. There was nothing magical. But then you said, oh, my gosh, I can get up in the morning and I have all this energy and I have realer conversations. Okay. I just mean there was nothing magical that made me quit. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. You, know, you hear stories of people who just are struck by the beauty of their child being born and they just never touch another drop. And I always wished I'd have that magical experience. Okay. It would be easier for me to quit, but I didn't ever have that. That makes sense. But you, you noticed but it was those- magical. But then after, <laughs> after, yeah. I mean, I would say it was pretty magical. After. Yeah. Um, and, and what led you to, because I imagine, because none of the research that, you know, what Antra was asking about, none of the research that you mentioned, mentioned was what made you quit. So you're starting to notice these differences from yourself. And then you're getting curious about stuff, right? Because now you have this body of knowledge. So what led from you quitting, what your experience was, and then now you have this knowledge, what, what made you so curious to go get it? Well, I, I, I found this community online too, that I joined. And so I'm kind of, and again, podcasts, I found lots of podcasts and books. And so I just kind of immersed myself in this group of society. So I was just kind of getting it from all angles, just hearing, hearing stuff here and there. And, you know, it was just being brought to my attention often. Mm -hmm. So then I, I would start paying attention to ads and, you know, going out and uh, TV shows and just looking around in the world and seeing 
all of these messages for us, and especially as women, that you need it to function. So it was like white noise before, and we all just kind of follow along, and then you woke up to it. We look for what reinforces our ideas. So we hear, well, two glasses of wine a day is good for your heart. Maybe that one study said, said that. And we don't hear all of the studies that say there's really no safe level and alcohol causes cancer from mouth to anus and everything in between esophagus, stomach, liver, intestinal. And it's a known carcinogen. It's not a suspected link. And also breast cancer, huge increase in breast cancer risk with alcohol use. Yeah, so I just I just kind of started paying attention to that. And I would notice, like, I'd go to the girlfriend's race for the cure, and there's major wine advertisements. And I'm I'm just thinking, well, this isn't like this is this is like giving out cigarettes at the lung benefit race. You know, or or the like I told you guys in the video, there was the Office of Stroke Prevention out at Meridian Park was fully decorated in wine paraphernalia and sign like there was a sign that said grape therapy is cheaper than group therapy i have a picture of that office somewhere and here it's the stroke prevention office in a hospital and and there's just basically suggesting that wine is healthy that's crazy that was in the stroke office yeah yeah and I actually went into that office after they took the stuff down and said, I think that's really cool that you took it down. Really? Did why did they it? take it down? Was that something you influenced? I don't know why. It just was down. Like maybe that person, I never really had any interaction with that person. Maybe they had a new person come in and take the job. So tell us more about like what Antra asked about like women in their 30s and 40s and, and what you've read and researched and, you know, about not only the messages, but the the facts about what wine actually, what alcohol in general really does to you? Well, we're waiting with beta. For those of you who aren't watching the video, she's, I can tell that look. You're like, there's so much. It's like drinking from a fire hose. You don't know what to say first. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot. And how to rip, Amanda. <laughs> like I said, totally associated with cancer. And as women, it just really doesn't do us any favors because like, and not, not that this happens with every person who drinks at all. But I guess my point is just like as a substance, it's not good for women. It, Domestic violence, it's associated with domestic violence, it's associated with sexual assault, traumas, many, many deaths per year in the United States, like more than the opioid crisis. And then just, I mean, I think mostly for women my age, the increased anxiety is the main thing. I guess that's the main thing that want, that makes me want to bring it to people's attention. Like, are you suffering from anxiety? Are you tired? It's just something to look at. Or, well, or depressed. Yeah. And it's a vicious cycle then. It because is you, a depressant. 
And then it's a vicious cycle because then you say, oh, I have anxiety and depression and I have fatigue. So then you go to the doctors and then they put you on these medications that have all these other kinds of, you know, side effects. And then you're drinking wine on top. Like, it's just this cycle and you can't, I can imagine that you wouldn't be able to like, you know, see the forest through the trees. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. It, It is a cycle for sure. And like for us as nurses or healthcare professionals, I don't think we take it very seriously in our patients either. And me as an operating room nurse, I don't even really have a chance to interact with people in that vein. But I know that as a patient, I went to the doctor one time and I actually admitted that I was concerned about my drinking, which is a very hard thing to do. And they said, well, just do the whole 30 and see what happens. And that didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Or one time after I'd had my first kid, we were finishing up one of the postpartum appointments and they said, oh shoot, we're supposed to do this questionnaire about postpartum depression, but you're fine. (sighs) (laughs) I was like, oh geez. You know, I didn't have the guts to say anything. I would always tell my doctor, well, I drank like two glasses of wine a night and that was fine, but, but that is heavy drinking and that is associated with cancer risk. And, and again, the anxiety, I mean, along with being empty calories and raising and dropping your blood sugar and, you know, cardiovascular risk. I just, I think it would be cool if we started bringing it to people's attention that even two glasses a night is considered heavy drinking and that we made it more of a point in our mind that it's an addictive substance. So, you know, if you find yourself needing more every day to get the same effect, it's just something to look at. What was it that finally... I mean, you said the hip sobriety thing didn't work. The whole 30 thing didn't work. Well, I mean, Sober I mean, October or whatever that was, you know, you try to get on board with what everybody else is doing and that would, what, what finally worked for you? Well, I will say, I think the hip sobriety thing was the gateway. It just didn't work right away for me. Uh, you know, it, it was just immersing myself in the information, surrounding myself with the podcast, making connections in the community, even if it was just online and just taking it one day at a time, even sometimes one minute at a time, I just kind of put my head down and I wouldn't let it be an option. And so was it hard to quit at first? When you oh, kind yeah. Of find the- I, yeah. Yeah, because that was my tool for dealing with anything. And I remember one time thinking, how am I ever going to be at a bonfire without a beer in my hands? That just doesn't even sound appealing. You know, or a champagne toast, or it was hard to imagine. So, Pina colada on the beach. Right, right. When you go on vacation. <laughs> and they, by the way, all inclusives do not offer a discount if you don't drink. I checked. So, so taking it one day at a time and not, not letting myself think, well, what am I going to do when this happens? 
just being in the moment and taking- were there stops and starts like you you'd stop for a little bit like a couple oh, days yeah. and well, then when I did that hip sobriety thing yeah there were stops and starts and and I when I was trying to do the whole 30 I did do the whole 14 but I didn't make it 30 days um, you did the whole 14 yeah they're funny <laughs> good uh, job Amanda <laughs> I know that was a good job for me. and that would be a good job for anyone who thinks they want to quit totally so there were t- like there were years of stops and starts and watching people around me be successful when I wasn't and thinking I was different from everybody else and that I just couldn't do it. Like maybe maybe my brain is just such that I can't do it. And I think a lot of people feel that way. But finally, just one day I made it the whole day and then the next day I made it the next day and then it was two weeks and then it was a month and taking one thing at a time, I, you know, I made it through the first party or the first Christmas. Um, Yeah. I I think the motivation for quitting anything, I mean, I could speak to, you know, food addiction, eating disorders, you know, like I, you know, and, and a lot of the stuff I talk about, I can remember the day it started and I can remember the day it ended. And in between those 27 years was a lot of slowing down, white knuckle, you know, achieving a measure of white knuckle control. But it wasn't until the mindset left that actually the eating disorder quit me at one point. And I see that parallel with what you're saying. It's like you kept absorbing yourself in information. It's like when the basket of reasons to stop finally outweighed the basket of reasons to continue, Uh then it was just kind of, it quits you, you know, but until then you're just accumulating reasons to stop and it could take years, but when they're equal, it's like white knuckle. Right. And then it's, and then one day it's just like, it just doesn't make sense to do anymore. Yeah. One little experience at a time. For me anyway. So how long has it been for you? Five years-ish. And that's amazing. And tell me what you said that, you know, the anxiety went away, that you got more in touch with yourself. How did that, how did that manifest itself in your relationship with your husband or your kids or, you know, like what were the things that you've seen over, what are the things that you've seen over the last five years? so much like I I just don't even know what life would be like with my kids because that right about the time I quit was when they started having sleepovers and I mean I just can't imagine having a few glasses of wine and a sleepover and then maybe the kid wants to go home or something I don't I don't know how that would have even worked so I'm glad that I can be the mom that it can be totally safe with my kids with my husband, like just more open communication. And he, he kind of quit with me. He didn't, I think it was easier for him. He didn't have such a draw to it. And then just boundaries with people. Like I just, like so many people was a people pleaser and a joiner and like, um, signing myself up for everything and volunteering for everything. And taking on so much and feeling like I needed to 
go to every event. Um, and I just kind of, once I was able to take one step at a time with the alcohol, I was kind of able to apply that to other things and just take a step back and be like, is this something I want to do? Is this something I have time to do? Like, is this the person I want to be? So yeah, like now I, I don't stay at an event once I'm bored with it. You know, I just say, all right, I don't, I don't want to be here. I'm going to go, or I don't go to an event that doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> alcohol, like <laughs> alcohol does let you go past the point of, I want to leave. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> like you have to do stuff. Yeah. It's kind of hard to explain, I guess. No, it seems like a portal into, into, you know, a portal to knowing yourself. Reality. It was kind of like, once I could do that, I could do anything. I knew, I trusted that it, that it could happen. Wow. Um, That's a powerful statement right there. Yeah. Once I knew I could do that, I knew I could do anything. Yeah. Amazing. So, so now you're reaching out to so you had the aha. It took you years when your basket of why to quit outweighed your basket of why not to. You were able to. Five years later, you've noticed so many differences in your life. Mm-hmm. And now it sounds like you're starting to want to give this to other people. Yeah, that's as you were talking, that's exactly what I was thinking. I would like to give this to other people. And and again, I don't want to come on here and say, you need to stop drinking. I just want us to be cognizant of the advertising and our beliefs about it, like that it helps you. It helps your anxiety. It smooths out the edges. Right. Again, well, I at- it does for a minute. You but- could. You could be one of the people like the way you're and I'll go back to the videos you sent. I That's what was so unique to me about the way you're approaching it. And I don't know if you've just started, you know, but just your message on those videos wasn't about preaching to quit and why you should quit and trying to fear monger. It was just look at what you're buying into. And that's why it was so renegade to me. Well, exactly. And that's why I wanted you to have it on. But it's because I'm a I'm a status quo bucker like. I don't like, I, I have this little gremlin in my head where if everybody's doing something, I look for a reason not to, you know, like I don't like to feel like a lemming or whatever. And the cool thing about what you're sharing is you're a lemming, right? you know, that's what I got. Like you're buying into, you are letting them manipulate you. You are letting them drive your subconscious mind into thinking this is good for you. Well, let me tell you something. And I love that. I mean, look at so people who don't drink. Society almost makes them a pariah. You know? Yeah, well, yeah, people definitely don't want to hear it. Yeah. And it's definitely not the norm. But I do feel now. I mean, I, I guess I could say I feel woke about it. Like when people ask me if I'm if I miss it or I'm sad about it, I'm like, no. I feel so. I almost sometimes. I mean, I definitely feel proud about it. And yeah, just kind of woke. Maybe even kind of smug. Like I know 
I'm not falling for this anymore. There's your, there's your, the name of your thing, smug sobriety. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, which is exactly I'm writing that down as a title. <laughs> Amanda, I love you. Oh my god! I mean, you see these, like you see a shirt that says rosé all day. Ew. <laughs> I mean, I've done that. It's so gross. And you miss out on so many things when you're walking through life in a haze. But even, I, I mean, even, I don't know, like I'll see it on a, on a sitcom or something, maybe Cougar Town. They always have a full glass of wine. Oh yeah, right. And I'm just like, oh my God. Cougar Town. Right? I mean, that's what the, uh, the marketing is right there like in your everywhere face. Everywhere you look, it's like, oh, I had a rough day. I need to drink a bottle of wine. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's all over. It is all over. I, it, it's, it's, I love how you kind of brought that to my attention because I, you know, I mean, I don't think we pay attention to that stuff, that advertising that like, I, I've never, the wine in the school supply section. <laughs> I yeah, just, I buy it, right? Like, or yeah, I just think that's it's so interesting. Right. And or, Ian, when, I'm I'm on braiding my friend's hair glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's and it's really funny. And it is funny. You know, I get why people laugh, but I mean, I guess it's not really that no, funny when no, you you're see changing it, it from when you really break it down. It's it is not. A healthy amount and so we should probably stop acting like it's a healthy amount and I just like in the 90s the alcohol industry and I mean I've just learned this from reading articles and stuff the alcohol industry said look we could we could get more sales if we cater to women women don't drink as much as men and it used to be that alcohol was kind of a man thing and they started to come out with like Zima and cosmopolitans and skinny girl which I, that drives me nuts too like the only thing better than being drunk is being skinny they just they started marketing it toward women and now i have it written down somewhere the stats there's been a huge jump in the amount of alcohol use by women and it's harder on women than it is men even when you adjust for size So, so what do you want to do? I just want to trip people's minds so they look for it and think about it and maybe notice how much they're drinking and maybe not, God, I sound like such a killjoy, but maybe not keep, don't maybe not being a part of it maybe not being a part of the glorification and normalization of that culture. Can I, can I, <laughs> usually we bebop back and forth, but I'm like, <laughs> no, I can't remember what I was going to ask. Did you just start? Like were the videos that you sent us, are you just starting to go? Yeah. I, I can't be quiet anymore. I can't just look at a, rosé all day t-shirt and go oh how sad how gross and not let more people know why well, like are you just starting to to 
get this to kind of refine your message? Like you just said, I sound like such a killjoy. And that's what made me think to ask this because you're, it's like you're starting to craft a message and you don't, you know, so much. And like I said, your way of approaching it is like nothing I've heard before, but you're still listening to yourself and like, no, that's not going to reach people. No, that's going to turn people off. You know what I mean? I just know from experience that the moment you hear something that you can say, oh, that's not me. So I don't need to listen. I know people grab onto that, especially if they're struggling. They're like, Mm -hmm. I'm not that bad. So I, yeah, I, I guess I am still figuring out a good way to present it. I point it out to my kids all the time. Uh, Like when I see the advertising or the Rosé all day t-shirt or like a baby onesie that says I'm mommy's reason for her second glass of wine or something. But I I try not to be freaky. So I see, like I belong to um, a fitness studio and they'll have wind down Wednesday. And I don't say, you know, you guys, (laughs) that's really not healthy. (laughs) Or, you know, I'll see a yoga, an ad for yoga and beer nights. And it's like, I mean, what separates you from your spirit more than alcohol and yoga the whole idea of yoga I feel like is a mind-body connection and then you pour beer on top of it and it's like or you could run a half marathon like I did at Newburgh and the finish line is literally all lined with wine vendors (laughs) so then you take a thousand milligrams of Motrin and have four glasses of wine right let me just tell you I didn't yeah I did that too and I'm that beer at the end was good (laughs) It was terrible. I felt horrible. I am not telling anybody. No, no, I know, but it is kind of a disconnect. Well, it's not kind of, it's a total disconnect. Right. Right. I didn't feel good after that. I felt terrible, actually. <laughs> You're so I never, I never ran another half marathon. Let's just say that yeah. after that one. It, it may have also been a little bit the running, but. Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> What I, what I also love about your approach to it and that you're kind of evaluating on the fly because you've been in both places, you know, the place that you started with really resonates with me. No, that's just me. That's who I am. You know, like my basket of why to keep doing it is far outweighs the reasons not to, but your approach is don't even try to take things out of this basket. It's put more things in this basket. Because eventually, like adding to, don't quit quitting. Like quit trying to quit. That doesn't work. Add, you know, add education, add inspiration, inspiring stories, add really interesting knowledge, like about what the market is trying to manipulate you to do. The the stuff that's not true, add, add, add. And eventually it's just the the scales are going to flip. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, it did for you. Yeah. And that's your, that's kind of like your target mom, target female, target anyone. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I really can only speak from experience and the fact that I'm a woman and, and I, I just feel like anxiety and pressure is really prevalent in women in my life stage. And so when I see it being pushed, 
I just like, I get it because here we are, like maybe we've just had a kid and we get isolated and we're supposed to be in a tribe or a community. And now even especially with COVID, here we are by ourselves and our connection to the world is social media where everyone puts their best foot forward and we're definitely alcohol is pushed, but also we feel like we have to um, live up to this standard. You know, we have to have a job and we have to be the activity director for our family and we have to make healthy food and we have to look cute and we have to like promote ourselves. I mean, good for you if you don't fall victim to that. Um, and, and so we're here, we're seeking out this approval and we're seeking out a community and we're just trying to belong. And then we're being told wine will do this for you. And it, it, not necessarily. I just, it'd be cool if we could maybe get together more as women without the booze and like find that community and Be yeah, real. Just try, it. try it without the booze try it yeah. and because those friendships are there like that woman to woman relationship is there and it's so important and let's take the booze and the anxiety and the cancer risk out of it oh my gosh entre <laughs> the red tent yes the six appeal process and smug sobriety Okay. So Amanda, this yeah. is how Antra yeah. and I, our lives have been, there's been so much serendipity and magic mm -hmm. happening. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. I'm so excited to be reconnected with you, Amanda. Yeah. Cause <laughs> well, no, we're not going to do it. I'm like, let's just do it now. After this, after we're done here, you and I are going to talk. I want to, I, not to hijack your thing, Amanda, or anything like that, but I think, well, first of all, sorry, squirreling, sparkly objects, <laughs> talk about drinking from a fire hose. I this try to keep happens. her in the cage, there's, but it's really hard. There's a Sometimes fire hose attached <laughs> to the back and it's trying to get out of a straw. And this is what happens. Okay. Like I have so many ideas coming through my head right now. Let me just ask you a question and I'll shut up. What did you do to increase the things in your basket? Because you, you talked about the groups online. You talked about just educating yourself and listening to podcasts. But what did you do that was, uh, this sounds corny, but soulfully nurturing for yourself when you were still in the in-between phases? What were the things that you did for yourself that were real nurturing, not wine nurturing? Oh, finding a community for sure. And I'm not saying I found a community super easy and it just all gelled. Like I met people online and every once in a while we were able to get together, but just being around people who feel the same way was really big. I got a lot out of working out, just like making my body feel healthy and a lot out of recognizing my little accomplishments like when I was able to uphold a boundary or when I, you know, did listen to myself and do what I wanted instead of what other people wanted from me. When I was able to respond to a situation, like for my kids, uh, 
yeah, it, I mean, just little, little acts of proving to myself that I could do it. Yeah, I mean, I can see how they would all add up to this basket being heavier. Also, I noticed too that you asked yourself a lot of quality questions. And I think that those can be doorways into knowing yourself. Like, is this, you know, what is this? Like noticing, you know, all of the advertising and, oh, like maybe I've been influenced by this. And is this what I really want to continue to do? And do I really want to feel, you know, kind of like an idiot after a heavy night of drinking, you know? And, and, And to me, those just draw you into yourself and, and, kind of make you get to know yourself when you're asking yourself questions like that. So I think that seems, yeah. does that seem true? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it was a lot of just getting to know myself. Which is, I love. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I would love to say like meditation, but I didn't. (laughs) There's lots of different kinds. Those questions are a meditation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I love, and you could call bullshit on this summary. It's like the more you got to know yourself, the more you liked her. And then the more you wanted to treat her like someone you really cared about, which didn't involve putting poison in her. Right. Man, you really have a good way of summarizing. Doesn't she? I know. Yeah. I I mean, before I just was trying to be what I thought was a success and a fun person. And that just wasn't me. I just, I wasn't, I'm not an extrovert and I'm not a party girl, really. I thought I was, but as I get to know myself, you know, I, I would rather listen and think and watch. So yeah, I just, I, I'd gone so long not really respecting or knowing who I was. And because I mean, I was, I drank for years. And now, you know, I'm, I'm getting to like the, the real person that I am. And I like to, to be the real person. I and I have there's... a lot of respect for people who have done this too. And I, I'm, I'm proud of myself as I kind of follow in their footsteps. Go on. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I you're just really thoughtful about about it all. I love that about you, you know. And I can tell, like, you take time to think about how you want to say something, and it's just thoughtful. Well, I, you know, I've been preparing for this podcast, and I've gone back and <laughs> forth. Like, should I even do this? Should I just call them and cancel? And I mean, I, I do hope people get something out of it. There's just so much information. Yeah. And you can't, you can't say it all in an hour long podcast, but I think it's, it's so important and it doesn't matter. The information doesn't matter because you've already sold so many who are listening to this, who want what you have Mm -hmm. so desperately, you know, for me in my life, I had a big gap collapsing moment and I'll tell you what gap collapsing means in a second, but um, it was in 2011 and drinking is just another one, but it wasn't, it hasn't, you know, it hasn't almost killed me <laughs> like the other ones did. You know, it's, it's still something there, but it's something that I've in the last couple years 
have started thinking about like, what would it be like to not do that anymore to bring myself closer to myself? Cause there was a big one, but like, what would it be like to be even closer to myself? And the thing that I came up with was the gap collapsing is you close the gap. Here's who you truly are. And here's who the world says you ought to be. And when that gap collapses, that's, that's feeling yourself. That's loving yourself. That's when it becomes for me impossible to ever stick my fingers down my throat again, you know, to like, but there's, there's even more layers beyond that. And I love, oh, sorry. There's a fire hose again. People who are listening to this don't need the information you have. And I know it's all on the tip of your tongue because you know this stuff. Like I want to prove it. They, you can, but you've already hooked them. People who are listening to this will reach out to you now and go, okay, you know, you will be able to share that information, but you've already sold them on what they want. Yeah. You know? I mean, that, that's the message that I'm getting is that you just, if I were, if I were listening to this podcast and, and I was struggling with, you know, I mean, I know a lot of women who struggle with, with, you know, wine down Wednesday and, oh, I drink too much or just a skosh and then another skosh until they're a bottle, you know, I know, I know a lot of women like that. And, and I would say if, if I were listening to this and that, and I was in that situation, I would say, oh my gosh, like your message is so real. Like I want to know myself and you know, the drinking and I, and I have that experience. I mean, I can remember very clearly. And I said this before when I was like, oh, I'm just drinking. Cause it smooths out the edges. Like I can remember when I, that moment hit me where it's like, I got to have a glass of wine so I can function. Right. And, and, but I want to know myself like that's so compelling. And for women, our age, like your whole thing around, you know, the red tent, like what would it be like to have a group of women who weren't, you know, who were, who, who were just real with each other? Right. And not necessarily yeah. bonded around not drinking. But no. Yeah, exactly. Just yeah. Doing something yeah. And not feeling like they have to have wine to glue the group together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like, it's a different message. But still after this podcast, get off and go TM trademark smug sobriety. <laughs> <laughs> It's pretty funny. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is very, very, I'm touched, Amanda. Well, good. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't prepare because we have a, one of our favorite words is a made up word is frail. Fucking plus real because we didn't like the word. We felt that the word authentic didn't feel very authentic. Needed to it, it didn't feel road. very, you know, but we wanted to say the same thing with a word that felt more authentic <laughs> and it was frail. And that's what you, without preparing, because I love that. It's like, I did prepare. I well, did prepare. Okay. You've been preparing for 20 years. Like I have lots of notes. I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't read from your preparation is what I mean. You just let yourself okay. come yeah. out. Good. Yeah. Cause yeah. there's time for that. Cause we're not done with you yet. I don't think. <laughs> how can well so we're up around an hour wait i uh, want to ask one more question well no i know oh, okay one more well, question. i wasn't done yet but you asked okay. your question <laughs> so, okay well i didn't know if you were 
No, I was just saying, okay, we're, we're rounding the corner and I want to ask a couple questions. Okay. okay. <laughs> finish it up, but you go first. Amanda, how, tell me how this, what you see in nursing and, and around, I know you said healthcare providers earlier, but you know, the, the operating room is a stressful place to work. And I, I you know, I don't know necessarily trying to think back to Meridian Park, I wasn't really a big, you know, let's go to the bar after work and get a drink. So I don't really know that culture. And I don't know if you do either, but I just been curious to hear what your experience of, you know, alcohol is in, in, in a work, you know, like what the culture is. I think that we, we see a lot in the OR um, that's hard to wrap our minds around. Like we see tragedy. And people want to wind down from that. And we have a lot of pressure where we're being told, go faster, go faster, go faster. And we are really are probably in every aspect of nursing. We're just really, really working hard, really under the gun. So I think a lot of people feel like they need to wind down after work. And I hear people talk about that. And I know I used to feel that way. And But it's funny, like you... Anyone you talk to in any profession who talks about their drinking will say, well, you know, it's a hard drinking profession. So I would say, nurses, it's kind of a hard drinking profession. We deal with a lot and and we we drink a lot. But people will say, you know, advertising, hard drinking profession, a lot of pressure, even like being a teacher, a lot of pressure. I, Mm -hmm. I, I mean, every industry, there's a lot of pressure. <clears throat> What's but another yeah. marketing message? Sounds like. <laughs> yeah, we, there's a lot of stress and a lot of pressure for nurses and other healthcare professionals. And they need a way to relieve it. And the alcohol is a very easy way. Mm-hmm. And well, according so- to the research, according to you, it makes it worse, actually. Well, yeah. I mean, people think it's an easy way. Um, you wake up in the morning with more anxiety, but I think that's why people do it. Is it, it seems easy. Yeah. All right, Karen, go. (laughs) Well, first I'll edit it out. If it doesn't seem appropriate, I just feel like asking, how can we help you? Cause I mean, the podcast, the point of the podcast is to shine a light on people who are the innovators, the creatives, the renegades. You know, so this might shine a light on you, but there's, there's, how can we help you more do? Okay. Start with this. Imagine if, because obviously this is like a passion for you, right? It's, it's not a secret, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, starting from those videos that you sent us and Antra said you were nervous about how you would come off and, you know, what don't, should I really do like, should I really do this podcast? So like, this is the next thing for you. I can tell in your life. You think so? Yeah. I mean, this is the first time I've had the, you've helped me by giving me a place to say this and by lighting a fire under my butt to gather the information and try to present it in the way that I hope that it will be received. But you know, Amanda, you reached out to us, so you must right. have, right? Like this right. is, already, this but is I mean, I had never really had the guts to say it to anybody before. What made it, what made you read it, reach out to us? 
because you said you were blowing up the boxes. And I thought, and you specifically sent out a post that said, does anybody have any ideas about blowing up the boxes? And I thought, well, I think this would. And even when I reached out to you guys, I thought you might say, no, we don't want any part of that. Um, Square. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, when you said you were excited, then I was excited. I would love to share this information with people, but, but where? Okay. Back to imagine if. Yeah. Five years down the road. What does your life look like? Oh my goodness. And, and infuse this part in it. Well, I mean, maybe people would reach out to me after this podcast and maybe there would be uh, a need in the community for putting together some resources and education. Maybe, I don't know, maybe. See, I'm going to stop you there. I want you to think about this and you don't have to answer it now because we're going to talk again. You are the resource. Not putting together resources that are already out there and handing them to people. You are, that's why we were excited to talk to you. You are such a unique resource. The way you're approaching this and the way you've done it for yourself is not like anything I've, I'm sure people have done it like that before, but it's not out there. The way you're not trying to quit and take out of the reasons to do it basket, but putting in the reasons not to basket. Actually, that's not even it. It's more putting in reasons to live differently and blowing up the box and, and looking at marketing and the way you're being manipulated as the status quo, you lemmings. I mean, that's the kind of thing that's going to help me. You woke me up to the fact that, oh, yeah, someone's manipulating me. I don't like that. Fucker. Right? <laughs> Fucker. <laughs> okay. So have you ever been, I'm sure you have, um, you know, you go to a conference and there's a speaker and you're really moved by the end of it. And as the speaker is speaking, you're going, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would love to be able to put together a presentation to share with people where I streamlined this and would be able to get in front of an audience and have them be saying, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And at the end say, wow, you really moved me and you changed my mind and you gave me something to think about and you were a great speaker. I would love for that something like, it's that. like just like we are right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So here's, here's another one of my summaries. Five years from now, I'd like to wake up every morning and know that because I exist, someone didn't give up. And yeah. your unique way of sharing it, it's not going to be for everybody. There's still going to be AA and there's still going to be All the other sobriety ways. and there's still going to be, but your new unique way will appeal to people who are, someone's looking for you, mm -hmm. for you sure. know, yeah. and, and it's almost like, <laughs> this is going to sound very preachy, shame on you for not speaking <laughs> <laughs> and not doing, and not doing exactly I don't mean it that way. You know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, what a shame if you don't. So how we can back to how can we help you? We'll help you. And I'll help. We can help you 
we'll talk off camera. I'm going to probably edit this out because I just have diarrhea of the mouth right now. But yeah, we'll 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 talk after we press stop on this recording and, yeah, don't hang and then pretend like we're all saying goodbye and we don't really, <laughs> you know, and then the second thing is how can people get a hold of you? I could share my email with you guys. I'm, I mean, I don't know if I should use my work email, but I can give you contact information. Is it too soon? Do you want us to, cause we can like, do you want to get a different, like that's, let's just say your, your mentoring, coaching, whatever this is starts today. Do you want to wait till you get a separate email for that? And then we can yeah, share probably. that in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can imagine that people listening to this podcast, women listening to this po- podcast will want to reach out to you. You think so? Yeah. Because it's yeah. not, it, this is common. I mean, it resonates with me. It resonates with Karen. Like it, it, it totally resonates. And it's a, you're going about it in a different, real, out of the box way. Yeah, I think people will want to reach out to you. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would love. I, I mean, I wanted people to be able to turn around their point of view on how they look at alcohol. I mean, but I, it would be even better to affect people's lives for real. <laughs> I mean, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Go. What are you doing? Go, Daddy. Oh, smug, <laughs> smug, smug sobriety. Sobriety. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, something like that is so brilliant because you know, it's, 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 it's real and it's totally outside, you know, it's out of the box. Okay. You know, it's like hip sobriety. I can see why that would be compelling too. Yeah. And okay, for, all, for all of you still listening, I'm sharing my screen. So on, there you go. Smugsobriety.com. <laughs> to 250 a month. <laughs> go get it before someone else. Smugsobriety.com. I can't believe that is, that is a sign that's available and well, we'll make sure we don't put this podcast out before you I, and i'm not i mean no pressure <laughs> just you are that. a bit of a fire hose yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know what can i ask how old are you 44 44 okay i'm 47 almost 48 next week no there 10 years ago let's just say yeah, it's like 10 years ago. Ow, it was 10 years ago. Okay, 12. Forget it. Meg Maley. I, she went to lunch with me. Now, this woman, had, she started building businesses and then corporations. She was like such a success. She was like somebody who I felt like, oh my gosh, she's having lunch with me. You know, and uh, she was such a champion for me, taught me so much, is still like one of my closest friends to this day, even though we don't speak that much. It's like the kind of relationship, like you can, you just pick up where you left off, but I'm just heard me speak about her. She's just, she's my favorite witch, you know, (laughs) like, and I feel like if it weren't for her saying, this is a really good idea. Like you absolutely, like you have a something you, you communicate in a way that I haven't heard. It's almost like, it's almost like the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. So if, if you're open to it, I want to be your Meg Maley. I want us to be, I would love that. That's a big job. No, I it's see. not. You're. It's all. It's actually. It's just people needs people like people need so little encouragement <laughs> when when something is 
bubbling up under the surface, you know, it's like yeah, popping I'm, a boil. I feel so passionate about this. And I ran it by a friend of mine and she was like, yeah, you really sound like you're passionate about this. And you really sound like, you know what you want to say. And I am passionate about it. I, I can see you on a TEDx stage. Yeah. Having this I'm conversation. Down. Like yeah. that would be so cool. I just never, I don't know. I could totally see you having this. I, you could craft this into a talk on a TEDx stage. Don't you wish you had a you when you were going through all that? Yeah. Yeah. And all this information's out there. You know, I've just put it together in a way that made sense to me in a way that worked for me. Yeah. Yeah. But Amanda, keep in mind, it's not the information or the education. Maybe it it helped you. It's, Mm -hmm. it's your message. It's you. It's you. You are the Trojan horse that, that will be. Which is why you would be amazing on a Ted talk because of you, not because of, you know, I mean, yes, the message, the way that you deliver the message, but it's you. And, and, and you're a nurse, which is even more cool because I'm sure amongst wives and mothers and women 30 to 50 or whatever, but being a nurse, it adds a whole nother layer because like drinking after work, drinking, like the drinking culture among nurses just adds a whole nother layer to the stickiness of alcohol in our lives. Not only that, but like, I think it's also very prevalent in healthcare. And I think that it is probably contributes to poor patient outcomes, but we don't talk about it and we don't say anything about it. And I mean, I've been privy to healthcare providers who've come in on a call case, you know, with too much alcohol on board or right. Like, I think it's a problem a a systemic healthcare problem among healthcare providers that we don't address. I mean, you have to really, you know, smoke in the hospital anymore. Right. Right. But you would never, I mean, you know, I always say this, a, a, a body is better than no body. So unless you're like tripping over yourself mm-hmm. drunk, you're not going to get any, there's not going to be any consequences for your behavior. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, come on. <laughs> is that true? That's true. Yeah, I probably, I, I don't <laughs> I never came in. I mean, I well, was right. On my you phone. came in the next morning, though. E- exactly. Right. right. And I think a lot of people come in the next morning. And yeah. Well, I'm not just saying the ones that come in, you know, who have alcohol on board. I'm yeah, that's, saying, what that's, about the after? It's probably rare. But when you're, when you come in in the morning or you come in at night for an 11 o'clock shift and you went, maybe you had, but, but how clearly are you thinking? How tired are you? Right. How distracted by your anxiety are you? How, you know, yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of, yeah. 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 Definitely. All right, man. This was fantastic. I'm so happy you said yes. Mm -hmm. And I'm so happy you sent us these videos because I think that this is the beginning of something really big for a lot of people who are looking for a person like you. I do too. Well, thank you for letting me come on. Oh my gosh. This is so fun. I'm so glad. I, well, so should we say goodbye and then we can talk more? <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Amanda. Okay. Thank we'll get okay your, bye. Actually, when you get, when you decide on how you want people to reach out to you and you know, whatever we will, I'll add it to the introduction 
to this podcast or maybe the outro duction, you know, we'll just add it in and we'll also put it in the show notes about how to contact you. Okay. Cool. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. This is the part where we say goodbye and then not really. I will not hang up. (laughs) Bye. 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 Renegades.